This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I'm sitting with Armand Herford, who is uh, owner of the Republic Bicycles. I'm in his office. This, what, a, what a facility you have here. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you for having me. I lead with this question with all the candidates. And basically, there's 22 of you. How do you stand out from all the others? Yeah, there are a lot of candidates and it's a lot of podcasts to, to listen to and a lot of research to do if you want to um, really be up on, on all of them. I think I bring a unique perspective to the table. I'm third generation Squamish, so my daughter's fourth generation. I have a lot of sort of reference points to the past, like both the good and the bad of where we've been and how we got to where we are. It's been interesting. My grandfather came on the paddle wheeler to go logging. He had a contracting company, build roads, cleared land. The next generation, my, my father worked at Nexon Chemicals. He was the last guy out after remediation, locked the gate at Nexon. That was his business. Now, my business, I've been a bicycle guy my, my whole career, basically, except for a few dark days in, in between, but bicycles are where we want to be. And uh, it sort of shows a changing with, with the time. And I think I bridge those, those eras uh, very uniquely. And then from a personal standpoint, as far as experience goes, I'm a business person. I started in 400 and something square feet by myself. Now we're in quite a large facility and I've got 16 staff at yeah, that peak. Quite, so quite the, out, we, quite the outfit back Yeah, there. so, um, and now I'm at a point where I'm organized enough with our, uh, our business here that my managers can run their portions and it still takes work, but I have the flexibility and the, the time allotted to do it. I think I come with truly pure intentions for the betterment of the town that we all um, know and, and love. So, Yeah, you were born and raised here. You have a business here. I, I see that you've won Business Excellence Award for large business. Yeah, lar- large business scored. <laughs> they scored that over 10. Um, yeah, but yes, 10 employees. Yeah, large uh, business. We call it for, extra large small business. For, for Squamish, that's, that's a large business. But we're looking at attracting, I think, even larger business. And because we're, we're looking at you know, taxation uh, and we're looking at property taxes and it's pretty high. And I think with, with the property taxes, the way they've been growing and also the way business property taxes are, especially the way they've been raised, especially for those of the downtown core with the BC assessment, um, they're looking to diversify the economy a little bit by bringing in business to Squamish. Now, here's the chicken and the egg question that I asked everyone as well is we have a housing issue as well. So if we're bringing in big business, where are we going to house them? Are we going to build a house and bring in the big business? Or is there a hole in this logic that maybe you see something different? Often we get asked as candidates, I'm sure the other candidates are asked as well, these questions sort of in isolation. So thank you for linking those two things because it's this big ecosystem of a, you know, and we're just making, we're just making adjustments and we can be moving in a, in a direction. There's a lot of questions in there, Marcus, but it's, 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 I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull out the ones I want. I, I, <laughs> I can right now, and then we can expand yeah, further sure. out. Let's go to the down, the downtown assessments. That's something that, that we can ask them to address and we can apply pressure because I, I see how they're doing it now. And it, as far as assessing on sort of the potential of the property rather than the, the, right. the property that's currently there, that's not flawed outright from a taxation standpoint, but at the same time, it seems like it needs to be adjusted and we can apply some pressure to, to work with that. And that one doesn't seem insurmountable to me. And that's something that we can potentially get a policy change on fairly quickly. But when you go back to the housing crisis, we do have a lot of units coming online now. And I think that we wanted, I mean, everybody wanted this change as far as affecting down the rents and more affordable housing units years ago, like before we had this crisis, but it takes a while for that stuff to work through the system. So that's coming through now as the, uh, some of the new developments are completed. I believe we've, the district's already started some framework and some sort of projected ways that we could do a housing authority, which I think is going to be key to, to managing. So you're all for housing authority. 
we need a way to control that. Now, whether the structure ends up calling it a housing oversight committee or a housing authority or a, it needs to be managed. Right. So, and that will help. You know, there's also, we'll call it short-term rentals because Airbnb is just the most popular version of a, the short-term rental. And that's a really complicated issue. It's pinching the rental market where some of those some of those units could be rented, but also it's sort of that affordability, it affects up the line because there's some people in detached homes that are having a hard time staying that detached home and are using that Airbnb income. Right. So it's, there's this knock on effect of every change that we make. Um, and I, I've been sort of thinking of, of the whole, that ecosystem I was talking about is maybe a giant mixing board. You can move the levels right. <laughs> as you go through. Um, yeah. And I, with, with, with this one, yeah, yeah. with this one, we're, we're way off at the moment. How, I, for, how do you think we got way off? Is it because we've been doing way too, oh, much, way too much housing too quickly or? Well, there was some of that, but too much too quick is a pretty good way to get off track in anything that you're doing. If, I'd say it goes right back to legal suites. If you know how many suites you have, I've heard numbers tossed around, but without actually knowing and having right. licensed suites. So what? there's tax there's taxation there and then we can actually have statistics. So it's legalized suites first. Although everything has to kind of happen at once to move here because well, you need to know what's there. If you don't know what's there, then you what are we talking about? So well, we I, need- know, I know Squamish has alleviated the DCCs on on suites so people if they want to build a suite there's there's a lot of the surcharges have been removed. In terms of of Airbnb, I wanted to bring up that I've brought this up a couple of times with the other candidates. There's an instance in Tofino where they had the exact same issue where they yeah. wanted rentals but too many people were doing Airbnb and they basically went over I wouldn't say over but they went pretty hardcore on the Airbnbers and said, "No, nah, you know what? You can't do it." And at that point, actually, people who had Airbnb property just basically said, you know, what? I'm just going to take it off the market because I don't want, yeah. I don't want people I, in here. Like, exactly. I don't want long-term rents. I want the short-term rentals. And that's a valid concern from, you know, these people have you know, own these properties. I think the answer lies in licensing. And I know that some people, I've talked to some people that have applied as soon as they sort of heard rumblings of this, they're like, oh, uh, well, I have, a, I have a space and uh, I better get down to the uh, district office and get a a license for my B&B and we're denied because it was a, a separate suite in their, in their home. So maybe we need to create a new, a new category. And there's all these, oh, I agree. there's all these levels to it. It could be something as simple as someone's converted back garden shed that they have, you know, that someone likes to, uh, is comfortable coming to, to stay in all, all, the, shit it out. all okay. the, yeah, yeah. All the way, <laughs> but all the way up to like a $2 million house in yeah. Crumpet Woods or something. And it's really hard to apply a blanket to all of that. But at the same time, for those, I think the, the key is those suites, like one, two bedroom suites that people could yeah. really be living in and make sure the licensing on that is starts to affect sort of the economic case for it so that we're at least getting the tax or the, the fee in through licensing, which we'll, right. we'll call a tax for this discussion. And then you can use that towards affordable housing. And that's going to be enough to affect that, uh, at least at least a little bit. And when we know the the legal suites are all registered, and we start knowing what, you know, what it, the inventory actually is, and because I don't think you can, it's fair to throw out a, a percentage number of uh, rental market used for short term rental without knowing exactly what. It is. Well, the, Does that the make number, sense? I, it per- makes perfect sense. The number right now is zero. <laughs> the, yeah. The zero rental market. It's, it's like, it's pretty much zero. There's hardly anyone, any place for people to live. I know. I saw a showing the other day, or a, sorry, I saw an ad the other day. It was like, we will have a showing. And I'm like, is it going to line up outside? Like, is someone going to go camp out there? And, <laughs> well, this topic is actually ties in with the economic stuff. And I think it was last summer, we had some new hires that came out. There were three people that didn't have a didn't have a place to stay and they're like well I'll figure it out when I get there granted these are hardy outdoor rec folks but at least a month each 
camping, doing whatever until they got into a place. And one was longer. I think that was by choice, but it took a while to figure it out, to find, you know, and as a young person, you're going to find a roommate, you're going to find, you know, not necessarily rolling in and looking for a nice three bedroom spot. You're looking to figure yeah. out how to, how to make a go of it in a new place. So it took a while. And, and I know that that's one of the limiting factors with a lot of other small businesses in town, the employees having a place to stay. Well, you would know you have about 16 of them. Yeah. And, and I can only affect that so much from inside my four walls, you know, oh, exactly. and this is something that is limiting earlier in one of your, one of your questions was uh, about the bigger business. And those are, are great. And those are big picture issues, but there are businesses here that are thriving, almost thriving that need to have some of this some of these barriers removed so they can add that well, now, now you're evening jumping service ahead. in a, in yeah, a restaurant. Now, now jumping and, ahead, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Which is awesome. Uh, the reason why I lump those questions together at the beginning, the way I have is to see where a framework of where your mindset is. A lot of the candidates seem to aim long-term. They have that big picture and they basically like painting that big picture. What, what I appreciate from your answer is that you came in with the interim. What do we do now? to help sort of curb some of these issues we're having now. Usually everyone's like, yeah, we need to bring affordable housing. We need rental market. We need to do this. We need to do this. And it's going to be all great, fine and dandy. And I'm like, great. So what are you going to do for the next three years? Like, you know, your first term, what are you going to yeah. be doing in those yeah. first three years? I know none of this stuff yeah. moves, moves as fast as we, as we want. And there are some things that, that can affect it right away. Um, although and, it's, and, there's, and that's, it's the effectuation of, of that doing things right away to get things moving now to that big picture view. My question though, is when you want to enact policy and use policy to change things around with Airbnb and, and the taxes, especially with BC assessment taxes with the folks downtown about making different policy. The problem with policy is that you can't just do minutia policy for separate areas. You have to do blanketing policy. So mm. if you're going to give a break to taxes for certain businesses, you're looking at possibly giving a break to Walmart, which is not necessarily what you want to be doing. So this is, this is where I want That's to bring a fair, in. That's a fair question. That's right? a fair question. So policy is not necessarily the answer, but the thing is, is there a power or there's something I'm not aware of that you can actually effectuate these changes and not say as much as I shop at Walmart, um, but you know, giving them the benefit as well. Right. Oh man. Well, that is the, the crux of it. And these blanket things are, uh, are a challenge because when you make a move and sometimes it's frustrating that government doesn't move fast enough in, in general, but when you make an adjustment as a, whether it's a blanket or in a specific area, it has a knock on effect. We want to make sure that, and that's responsible policy is to make sure that we mitigate that effect. But I would like to think that we could can work within the sort of the more specific neighborhood plans for these zones. And, I'm not exactly sure how those are applied or if that's, if that is a possibility, if a change would in fact give benefit to these other businesses, whether Walmart or one of the big box all the way across the whole district, then uh, we need to look and see if that's something that we're actually willing to take on. And that might be a way, maybe we can't help in that, in that way. And we'll have to find a workaround to have a similar effect. A couple of ideas that bounced around was credit, giving tax credits to certain places. Well, yeah, and, races, I, like, yeah, and so, sort of giving, if you're, you know, in a rundown building, you can sort of might find a loophole that way about giving tax yeah, credits back. I was, or, I was trying to, I've had some discussions about this. It seems to be unclear whether we can isolate the, down, the downtown core by itself as a specific neighborhood plan. But we can have the same net effect with a case by case. We try not to bog down staff with case by case. So that's where a slightly bigger step back um, might be a better way to implement right. that. But if we need to go case by case or between this block and this block, but uh, anyone on the fringes of anything we decide to do is going to be, is going to be uh, 
grumpy one way or the other. So we're, we're well, you're a politician. You know, you're not going to yeah, make everyone is, happy, right? The, yeah, but <laughs> I, I think there's something that, that can be done there. What that something is, which is I think where we're being directed here, I'm, I'm open to suggestions, but I clearly acknowledge that's something we have to... Well, the reason why I keep hammering the downtown is because the OCP talks about infill downtown, developing downtown, like filling out that peninsula. And we're talking about why BC assessment assesses these buildings at six stories is because they want to fill up the downtown with six-story buildings. They want to build it up concentrate everything downtown is that something you kind of envision as well like sort of keep it downtown develop the waterfront put an office tower there and just sort of cram everything there and and sort of (laughs) and not and not so much like sprawl i know sprawl is a bad thing but yeah do you think there's too much emphasis on densification of downtown um, well, there's like 6,500 units going in the next four years. It's right? gonna, so. it's pretty dense. I'm torn with this one. It's a change. It's a change from the way that it's that it has been. Yeah, you've been here a long time. Um, you, you've seen the changes. Yeah, but there was also a time where you go back far enough. Remember when the liquor store moved from downtown to the Garibaldi Mall there or whatever on the well, on the highway? Right. Yeah, yeah, it was a crisis. <laughs> downtown was dying. No one is going down there. There's no, you know, it was it was dead. It has, well, it, I, I it's to, busy. I used it, to know. work downtown. I used to, yeah. Mountain FM used to be downtown and I, I used to, I used to DJ in the, in the old Squamish hotel. It used to be the ocean port. And yeah. so yeah. when you get so down there, I am very familiar with the dead downtown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now, now we have this problem where not problem. We have this challenge where it's starting to, to thrive and it runs into different issues. Now, as far as the densification goes, I met someone the other day that just moved to Squamish. We meet lots of people that just moved to Squamish. If you if you spend some time out and about, and she said something that made me sad. She said, this is the first place I've ever lived where I need a car, you know? So we're not talking about transit uptake. Oh, we have to convert people out of cars. The people that are coming and we have all these new units almost have an expectation of a civilized place not needing a vehicle. So that downtown densification, if you live down there, we're going to be creating this urban, walkable, bikeable, transitable space that's and a double-edged sword, though. No, no, it, it is. For, it is, yeah. for sure. But for those people that actually occupy and live and live down there, yeah. it's going to be amazing. My, you know, we've got the, the seniors to be able to, you know, have more services and scoot around if they are, or, or I guess anybody with a mobility issue, which is great. Now, of course, is the other edge of the sword the people that don't live downtown? Is that the well, other that's, edge? That's pretty much Because I think there's probably more than two edges to that sword. Because you think, well, yeah, because if you look <laughs> at it, you know, 6,500 units going in there, most of them are one bedroom, two bedrooms with only one parking stall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a good majority of our community commutes in the city. I, I yep. heard between 40 to 60%. I, some people say 60%. Some people say 40%. I've been saying 60 just because it sounds better. But I've just been saying a lot. Yeah, just a lot of people commute. So you're, And then people have stuff. They have your bicycle in their, in their spaces. They have like rafts and they have gear, more gear and, and kayaks and, and a car. And then, they, of course, they have that second commuter car. And yet only the one parking stall in these small cramped apartments densified downtown. Yeah. You see where I'm leading? Oh yeah, I I see where I see where we're going. We're going to put all the cars. Well, this is this is a I mean, yeah, and there's no this goes back to what I was saying earlier with it where it's this little, you know, ecosystem or a big mixing board or however you want to look at it where you adjust little things as you go. Yes, there's going to be a lot of people with cars and they are going to be downtown. They're going to be a high percentage, a debatable percentage of them is are going to be commuting to the north and south of us actually. So at the environmental all candidates that we that we had, yeah. one of the things I brought up was rideshare. And rideshare often gets sort of dismissed as a solution. I used to have all those rideshare cars because I well, used to I commute I down. Mean, I used to see these carpool cars. Yeah, number two, yeah. And there, and there are some around. And most people don't really want to drive. So when you when you have these people that come 
to Squamish and fill all these all these new units, not just downtown, but you know all over town. They don't really want to be doing what they're doing. They don't. So I think that behavior is pretty easy to to affect. And right now, uh, I know our parking lot gets used for a bunch of ride share and people um, sort of rally, uh, rally point and then they, they hop in a truck and they go up to Whistler for lots of Whistler Black Home people. So you get these unofficial spots around town where this happens. If it had an official spot or two, maybe one in the north and one in the south, um, that was accessible by transit, that had a covered area. So if you got dropped off there or if you took the bus there, you could wait safely and dryly for your ride ideally it's paved and lit so you don't step in a mud hole in your uh in your nice business outfit as you head to your professional <laughs> job down downtown i don't all know the, you, all you work sudden, in bicycles i work in radio we yeah. don't really dress up for <laughs> no that. no but i've heard i've heard about such things so but th- these really are limit limitations to people wanting to participate in that because you're going to stash your car in the gravel lot over by stuamas elementary and hope there's a spot when you get there you need to be able to roll in know there's a spot get out of your car into whether it's uh, someone else's car or a van or whatever it is you're going to do, you should also be able to take transit there and potentially some bike parking so that, and it can all be centralized and there's spaces, there are spaces for this um, where it can happen. And these, again, are things that I think can start to have effect right away because it legitimizes it. It's not, it's not like, oh yeah, you need a ride to work. Well, figure it out. And there's all these gravel lots and there's all these right. places and people just sort of figure things out. You're talking about out. building transit hubs, right? And, yeah, like, it's a, and just like the transit hubs, like bus loops or transit yeah. hubs or like even like a parking lot where you have your, all your Tesla uh, chargers in one area instead of all over town. But that's just me who have, I have a thing against Tesla, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but so let's talk about transit then. Let's move into transit. I know we are developing a transit plan. We have a, yep. uh, an acclaimed mayor in, in Whistler, Jack Crompton, who is willing to reach out to Squamish. Uh, we finally have a, a mayor that wants to collaborate with us and, and work on a, on a transit plan, uh, which includes Pemberton. So I think that's in the works, right? But what do you, what do you want to see from this transit plan? Once all said and done, what, what do you want it to effectually do? How far are you looking on that one? Cause there's the, <laughs> there's, well, first, first of all, um, back to sort of my personal experiences, I have lots of staff and, uh, we're located in Brackendale. So, um, one staff member in particular lives downtown and takes the bus to get to work every once in a while. Lots of bike riding, sometimes a ride share, but sometimes a bus. And every once in a while, I get a text, hey, bus didn't work out, didn't come, didn't, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, when are you going to, I mean, when you get here is fine. I'm possibly one of the calmest, most reasonable employers around. Well, let's see how long this interview lasts. So, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but then uh, it needs to be reliable. And it needs to be as frequent as, as possible. Now, whether we're using all the current assets that we have the most efficient way, there's people that are experts in, in transit. I know as an employer, if I want my staff to be able to get to work, you know, to get to where they need to be, whether that's to work or home at a reasonable time. So not everyone can get off shift 15 minutes early to catch the bus. Otherwise, they have to wait an hour. Right. Or on the other end, just randomly be late because there was something happened or, and the bus didn't show up. So there's been some improvements with that, with the new, with the new app, which uh, I'm planning on trying out this week. Actually, I haven't had a chance to, to, to try it and it is getting better. It needs to be fully reliable so that you can plan your life around it. So that's just inside of what we have. Now, outside of that, if BC transit is the best way, and I'm pretty sure that it is to get this commuting 
as many cars as possible off the road and they can get to work safely and, re- and reliably to the north and south, that's awesome. It is a huge investment and it's going to need to be subsidized because riderships, I don't think, is going to support it right away. No, no. Um, it's, and, um, that's, and that's probably the crux of the whole, of the whole equation. But with the, the sheer volume of commuters that we have, I know that uh, for a period of time, I worked in Gastown, lived in Squamish, and um, I would have killed for a West Coast Express, uh, although those tracks aren't really uh, good for good for that. But but something like a bus, something that took me to the C bus would be yeah. unreal. And how far out that sort of pie in the sky idea is, is debatable. But I, I think uh, a couple trips in the morning, a couple trips in the evening, we'll start covering off some of that. And as soon as possible, but you know, you know I, I there's, think there's, 20- there's the private sector jumping in, which is nice. Like the Squamish connector yep. does a pretty good job, uh, especially, you know, when Greyhound, I think stops operating at the end of this month, I think yeah. Greyhound is done. Yeah. So it's, it's a question of, I, I guess it may be incentivizing some of the public sector to step up and fill that market. There is, there's is a plan in place for the province to pay half. It's just, we need to get a, something signed with all the communities and presented to the province and say, Hey, here you go. Let's get it done. We got to start moving people. And this comes back to the housing issue as well, because Whistler with Veiled Corp up there, they, um, they're not like IntraWest. IntraWest was all about keeping people in-house, keeping people close, housing employees, whereas Veil's like, yeah, whatever. You can commute, commute. They're not on a priority list. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have, I think, an influx of think Whistler traffic or Whistler commuters from Squamish. It seems like there's an endless influx already at this point, but another little wave. We're going to get it from both sides, you know, Vancouver and from Whistler. And it's one of those things where I think a healthy transit system will help sort of alleviate some of the problems that we, we are facing. And having a mayor in Whistler, like Jeff Crompton, sort of helping us finally getting on the table, because it was, I think, Whistler before that can the program. It's just, we're, we're done. Thanks. No more. So for that, they're reaching out and they're establishing something. It's great. I think whatever deal comes, well, comes about, you'll be on the, you'll be hopefully in council to sort of see it through. I would hope so. I'm a strong advocate for, for strong transit. Yeah. I mean, you do have employees, you fully understand. And with speaking of Whistler and coordinating with Whistler, let's get into one hot button topic because it just goes right into it, especially let's if, do we're, it. if we're filling up the highway with travelers and tourists. GAS, Garibaldi Squamish, quite a, an issue. It's it's big. I don't even know where to start. So I'll just say Garibaldi <laughs> Squamish. What do you think? So On a scale of one to five. On a, scale, on a simple <laughs> scale of one to five, I'll just answer this question. Uh, it's a complex issue. Basically, if we go back to one of your, I'm going to loop it back to one of your earlier questions about densifying in general, but you were specifically talking about downtown. But if we're talking about infill and boosting our, our density for all the reasons that, that we do that, the infrastructure, the ease of transit, the, because it's the right thing to do, I think, then we're being asked to okay basically the building of another town. So we're just going to densify over here and we're just going to build another town over here. Right. That just seems completely at odds with what we're trying to do as a, as a community. And that's without getting into, uh, and I haven't, you know, I haven't read enough about the, to comment on the um, you know, environmental impact and like all the, all the other stuff, the different user right. groups, all that. Just from that, that doesn't seem like what we, what we want to do. And I get asked, and I've been asked by, um, at a various events, I think at the, the Sorka one, um, there's some people there from Garibaldi at Squamish and they're asking me, what I thought about it, just, just as you are. And, and one of the things that is interesting is like, it's pretty clear to me and the people that I speak with, and maybe there's another subset of the town that I don't speak with. And I'm always out trying to find who that is and talk to them and understand their perspective. I haven't talked to anybody that's really excited about it. So I think there's to, a lot of me, questions. Still there's to a lot answered. of, yeah, there's a lot of questions and there's, you know, and, and as it moves forward, 
it's been a, a project forever. You know, I've been up, if you've seen the, the bases from the original stuff, you've been up there to check that out. There's, I actually haven't been up there, but there's I, some you know, big concrete structures on various points in the mountain. That well, that's were because from this other, project, other this project's been on the go since the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. yeah. Been, so like, this is the newest inception, but this yeah, time it, it has seems the strong. It, it seems the, the strongest yeah. at this, at this point. And there is a point where we'll have to decide whether this is something that's been sort of forced upon us and we've been worked around. I think it's important that we maintain our position or do everything we can to strengthen our position at a table where this is being discussed. So I'm not, for the reason that I said earlier with, we're just going to build another town over here. Well, you guys focus on uh, densifying and, as well and deal with the, uh, the challenges of doing that. That just doesn't jive for me. I don't know what they could say that would change my mind just well, for, from that point. But at the same, but at the same time, I would say maybe listen to my podcast, Resort Against Squamish, which is all about the GAS. But yeah, okay. On, honestly, <laughs> nothing it, like a selfless plug in the middle. Of an no, interview. that's that's fine. I'll. Uh, <laughs> I haven't listened to any podcast. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna have to I'll, edit fess, that out. I'll fess up to. The, I'll fess up to that. <laughs> I'm gonna do this in post game, and I'll uh, I'll go through and. Um, well, the reason why you know, apart from the infrastructure questions and the and the building questions and the traffic and like there's it brings up a lot of questions because you're talking about 22,000 beds in several phases on the side of a mountain that people would say it's not like, ecologically can handle it because the snow keeps moving up uh you know they they have their their environmental ass- assessment they've been working closely with the Squamish Nation about it they have like 40 stages or 40 uh, criteria which they're meeting and and so forth and so forth the big question though about GIS that I I like to ask the candidates that I'm sure you would have an answer for is the fact that we have to take that land into the district that's SLRD land. That's regional land. Yeah. And the region has said, we're not keen on this project. And the province is like, we're not keen on you becoming a resort municipality. So they're looking to us to sort of envelope them. And they're basically saying, we're going to give you tons of tax money. We're going to do this, 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 and the other thing. But to take that land, right, to be incorporated into the district, is that a referendum question for you? Would you put that to the people in a referendum? Do we want to take this land in for the GAS? Think about the phrasing of this of this one because as I think about the phrasing of the answer, I think the danger with referendums really is the phrasing of the question. And when you turn it over to like, oh, we'll have a vote on that. Well, what is the specific question that we're going to be asked? And at what point uh, in the process are we going to ask that question? So I'm for a referendum. But the bigger issue with that, I think, is figuring out at what at exactly which phase does that happen? You well, know, I, because I think if we're taking the land over and we're going to basically pay a sum of money to take that land to incorporate it, I think that would be the point where you would have to say because that means if you're taking that parcel of land, that means you want GAS to go forward. I don't know that it, I don't know that it does. It might mean that you want control of that parcel of land. Okay. Do, do you know? No, yeah, you, you got you, me on that you one. You know, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I don't, and I don't know, and I'm, and that's just another another perspective. I don't. Right. But so yes, I would go for a referendum. I'm concerned about how you phrase the question. Sure. I get asked questions all the time that that lead me to see the answer that they're that they want. I know that there's science behind this and all the rest, but that would be much debate. You can't, yeah, you can't ask a question like that in one line yeah, and you also can't ask a, uh, a referendum question in like the, the 10 pages it would take to really spell out what, no, exactly. what's trying to happen. So well, well, the thing about referendums too is that it actually creates more engagement than, than say having a meeting. Like I mean, oh, look, yeah. look at Garibaldi Springs, for example. I mean, we've had many meetings uh, with the first one, Rob, Rob day, Rob day, you want to do the same thing. And there's so people, so many people are Doug, being, I like, think Doug, Ray? Doug day, Doug day. That's it. Sorry. Uh, you know, he wanted to do the same. He wanted to propose everything. Every there was a big 
no, no, no. And then council shut it down. And then basically he sold his rights to Polygon. Polygon put together the exact same package and boom, it goes through. And, and even though there was people, you know, still saying this, crying the same to cries, no, no, no. Right. With a project like GAS, this is why I'm saying if you get it to a referendum vote, I mean, people tend to get more engaged when it comes to a referendum and they seem to learn more of the facts than just yeah. having a town meeting. That's a fair point. I'm not anti-referendum on, on the overall picture. I don't know. I wouldn't propose we do that tomorrow. No. I would say we're closer to like... You know, like we, well, we have, means, it has to go. I don't know if, I don't yeah. know how far you may... And it's, it's hard right. from a business standpoint. I don't true. know how far we make them go and, true, and, true, true, and all yeah. the hoops to jump through and all the, the items to cross off the list. Fair and, point, fair point. And all that before yeah. that happens. So I think the timing of that is, is crucial. Do we let them, you know, work away at that? If you were campaigning, no, you would push for a referendum right away. True. There's still work to be done on their part. And I think that if you wanted a, a yes answer, then you'd push the referendum as far as back as possible and give the Garibaldi at Squamish folks time. At least a chance to get out there and sway the public. Yeah. And if I, I, <laughs> I've looked at it this way as it's been attempted to be sold to me that as a counselor, it's not, I don't view it as my job to sell someone's project to the, to the electorate. The people that I run into on the day to day through all the things that I do in my, in my day don't seem very excited about this. So if, if they are on a path of crossing off all these items and addressing all the issues and everything's going to be, going to be peachy, it just takes time. They've got a massive PR issue on their hands because that's yeah. not the, that's not what we're hearing as we, as we walk around, sure around town. And I, I know the, how messy referendums can get, uh, I'm probably dating myself, but during the Quebec referendum, <laughs> I was taking high school politics and boy, uh, we, we learned quite a bit about that and watched tons of video. And I'm telling you, referendums can get messy well, yeah, and very divisive. Well, eventually there's a yes, no vote on the specific topic, yeah. but there are those shades in between. No, not like that, but everyone has their own threshold where I guess you're, you're saying okay. we need to find its final inception, how you want like find it to a T and then put it to the people. I think it's crucial to figure out the right the time right, right, to do right that. Time, yeah. It's and I don't think it's right now. I also don't think it's in ten years. So let's but, move on to another big project that, that seems to be looming on our doorstep, but it's supposed to have already been started, what, a couple of years ago, but has not. And it's sitting outside in House Sound, another contentious issue. But uh, mm. last election was big, and this election seems to be more of a foregone conclusion. LNG. LNG. I mean, that's, that's a hot topic. What else still. can that stand for? I got to come up with something fun that that could stand for. But for right now, it sounds for liquefied natural gas <laughs> in house sound. I would agree with some of most people's assessment is that it's being forced upon us. There's sort of a defeated acceptance that that's what's going to transpire. So everyone and takes that say, and says, we need to get the most tax money possible. Yeah. I certainly don't think that it should be incentivized for them to be there to do what, you know, it's a tough one. I don't think that there's anything earth shattering about the position there is I, I do want to make sure that we get the best, what we can for Squamish out of this, but I also don't feel that we need to give any concessions for that. Like Daryl Bay, big no. No, man, Daryl Bay, it's beautiful there. And yeah, we need the access. Can you imagine like there's this vision if, if we don't have access there, there's this little vision of like, it would probably need to be a little more robust than the aqua bus down at Granville Island, but you could take a little bus from our new waterfront or a little, little boat from our new waterfront over and you can go check out Shannon Falls, maybe go up the gondola. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're well, these, we're going to have these... a dense downtown. Might as well have people park there and take the boat in. You could take the boat across and do your carpool from there. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? So, you know, there's all these things that could happen from there and we're limiting our possibilities by doing, by if we didn't fight for the, for the act, for the access there. Now we should have been, 
I don't know how it got to the point. It seems like it's quite far in the process. And well, it's because the last council ran on no, and a couple of council candidates got on there on a no vote, and basically they haven't been on the table for the last four years. Well, the difference in saying no and having your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 I'm not going to listen to anything you're saying because there's little snippets where you can pull something good out for the, for the greater good for the town. And that's why on the scale, I'm going to go back to that, to that scale. <laughs> I was a, I, uh, one was four, five was against. And on the scale of uh, nonsensical scales, uh, I put myself in a four because I want to see that where there's these opportunities where we can, actually that right there, we can leverage into something good for, good for Squamish. Okay. I, I have two questions, but they go in different directions. So that's this okay. one first though, is like the leverage that we talked about. Have we have, we haven't been at the table for the last four years. Do you think, do you think we have a leverage with LNG to basically, if they're coming <laughs> they've forward? Sort of, well, I don't know. That's a tough one. They, they've proven that they can, they're fairly comfortable working around us. I don't know what their strategies are except getting stuff done. Yeah, I, I don't know that we can just walk in there and tell them the way that it is. Well, we but need our tax money. I mean, we I we, think we need our tax. We do. We do need. Um, we, of money. we would benefit from having the the tax yeah. money for sure. Trying to be a more constructive member of the of the conversation, and then it's just a, a game of of give and take. Now, I also think that one of the things you we mentioned re- referendum earlier and how divisive that can be. One of the, my concerns with this is at this point, if we keep hammering the no, 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 no. Can you imagine your kid going to school and asking like, well, what does your dad do? Oh, my dad works at the plant over at the thing. And then all of a right. sudden there's this big, you know, like as like the social fabric of town, we need to like have a point where, you know, okay, this is something that's happening and we don't need to incentivize it. We're not necessarily need to be really happy about it, but we can't keep driving a, a wedge on it or you're going to end up with this. Well, I'm going to drive a wedge right split. now. I'm going to drive a, a bigger wedge right now. Yeah, then. do it. Uh, basically, I'm going to ask you if there's a way of saying no to LNG, would you use it? Would you take it? Because there's a couple of candidates that have now stepped up and said, I'm going to do everything I can to stop LNG in his tracks. And if, I, if there is a way, and I can probably list you a hundred of them, but I'm not going to do it right here. If, yeah. there's, if there's a way to basically there's, stall it or, or end it or get well, know, not even off the ground, would you, would you take it? I'm going to say that I would take that. I'm going to put a caveat on it because that's how this, these things work because it's not that, uh, not, that it's not that simple. I do know that there's been a lot of really smart people working on just that for a long time. And that opportunity hasn't presented itself and may very well fall outside of what we can do as a, as a councillor and a municipality, you know, so if we're lobbying or, and, and helping affect those policies that could end in that, that's great. As to the vote that's actually going to end up on a coming through council chambers, yes or no to LNG. I don't really see that opportunity presenting itself in the council chambers. I really don't see that happening. If that's something that actually gets in front of me, then wow, we can stop this thing in its tracks by putting my hand up right now. I'll take that. There's one particular candidate that stood out to me about the fact that if LNG does not come, I mean, there's still ways of making money uh, with the sound without having, you know, big industry on it. Like if we do proper dredging, if we do proper, uh, like there's new habitats and stuff like that. And if we properly foster those, we can make some money, not necessarily uh, LNG money, but old wood fiber money at least. So, I mean, it brings in some <laughs> injection because we're, we're crying for money. I mean, look at our infrastructure right now. I'm, I'm changing the topics now. Oh, no, it's okay. On. That's fine. I'm moving on. So, <laughs> That's fine. Oh, I hope she's got- over. No, no. Oh, we can go back forever, man. It's, it's just so, no, it's so, me, it's so complex. We could talk for days on yeah, each, I, each one of these things. Exactly. But we got to move on to infrastructure. Like for example, uh, wastewater, Brennan park, uh, municipal hall falling apart. Um, there's a lot of things that needs to be done and needs to be fixed. So it comes back down to let's bringing in diverse industry to help with the infrastructure. 
is bringing in big business and attracting big business because I know a lot of other candidates have said, yeah, we need to bring in these big companies to come in here and sort of do their thing. <laughs> I've always described myself as a reluctant capitalist because at certain points they're like, okay, these are the cards that we're dealt and we got to, this is the game that's being, being played and well, here we go to do it. But we have to be careful of the, obviously of the greater, the greater good of, I mean, we'll call it just our town, but of the, you know, of the planet. I don't see the solution uh, as like sort of the one uh, savior operation coming in. And it's harder to, I mean, it's really hard to orchestrate and all this. I, I really see the biggest change that we're going to see, regardless of what council direction council takes, is all these new units that are coming online. I talked about how these people don't want to commute. And earlier reference, we are just talking about actually physically driving their cars. Exactly. These are a whole bunch of smart people that are moving here because they love the natural surroundings. They love... Well, Whatever they, I'll go. I, they the, want to live where they play. I, I won't. I won't kill that. I won't kill another hour describing all the awesome yeah. things about Squamish. But they love all that. They don't want to commute. I think we're going to see an influx of of startups that run globally and are are run from from Squamish. And I think we're going to start seeing our small and medium sized businesses look to expand. Um, Do you think there's some sort of inhibition for them to expand? Because that's been one of those things where there's a lot of good companies here. And it's just the way things are structured. It's hard for them to expand, or there's lack of space for them to expand. Yeah. And it's hard to house your staff and it's hard to, it, it is a hard place to do business. And that's, I feel, but that's also on my list of things that make it a hard place to do business. The things that the council can directly affect are quite, are a little shorter than I think I'd like them to be. Yeah. If you have, um, there's cheaper warehouse space somewhere, you could pay your, your staff the same wage, uh, in somewhere else in the country or even inside the province and they'd have a different, a different life. But where they could buy a house on a wage where they can barely afford rent here, you know, and that's Squamish challenge. And the forces on that are, are huge, you know, between sandwich between Whistler and West Van and West Vancouver, like we are, we can make some of those, um, make those moves we were talking earlier with, with helping with affordable housing and trying to sort of push that down, uh, so that, so that we can have people, so we can house workers, employees and that, but that's true with across even more professional, you know, like higher level jobs that people, the professors coming in to teach at Quest need a place and the, you know, like it's, it's across, it's across the board. So, but I do think that the, the medium, sort of that medium sized business that can come in and, you know, can you imagine being a worldwide hotspot for craft brewing? We are already. I know, but even more so with supporting distribution centers and like there's things that can happen from there as a, as one example, I'm a bike guy. I look at, and so often I'll get asked bike questions. We look at the, we do have three bicycle stores in town, but there's quite a few others, medium to small operations running in Squamish or have a Squamish component or have people commuting to them from here. We do need to court, but we also there, those minds are also working on a way to be here because this is where they where they want to be. Well, there's there's a lot of candidates bring up the idea of bringing in green technologies and rec tech and all this sort of stuff. And some uh, candidates have brought up the idea of uh, BC rail yards and stuff. I mean, we have a rec tech company, not rec tech, sorry. We have a clean tech company that just made a deal with NASA, right? So we yeah. have companies here. We have a brain trust here, I think, to grow from within. The big question I have for people that keep saying, we got to bring in business, we got to bring in business. That's great. Where are you going to put them? What kind of incentives are you going to give them? Because they're not going to just uproot their company and come here without any incentives. Well, and goes, where are you going to house them? Well, and that goes back to it being an expensive place to do to do business. If you need to buy, if you need a four acre spot to do your to do your thing, <laughs> four acres of the Squamish Valley uh, at anywhere is uh, 
Yeah. So might, you have to incentivize, right? And I, yeah, don't think we, exactly. I don't think we have the room to incentivize anyone, to be honest. No, I, I think that the answer for this is continuing to listen and to ask the questions of people that require space and having those conversations. And those can be formal and informal to figure out what they would really need to make it happen. Because there's a threshold there where, where it happens. Now, how deep do you go to make it happen? And it being a larger business that fits with the values of the town and getting that, that right mix. And, you know, it's been, when, when would you say, how would you score? When was the last time we had a big business in Squamish running effectively? Well, every time we had big business uh, on the water, it left a big mess. Like Britannia Mines left a mess and Wood Fiber left a mess and Nexon left a mess. There's been lots of mess. So when you talk about industry, uh, I think of mess. And so Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when was the last time one was one was running? We we're talking about bringing it back. It, that was that was the specific portion. Yeah, of like like exactly. was Wood Fiber the last one that shut, shut down or was it uh, maybe Nexon? But it's quite possible, yeah. But I think Wood Fiber would have been one of the last ones, yeah. I feel like it's um, that those big messy places and those those things ran for for so long and bridged so many eras and so much like human learning you know if you look at like what the knowledge base of humanity was honestly if we go back to like <laughs> let's take it back that far to of when britannia mine started yeah. to now i'm pretty sure you wouldn't be able to do that today no what they you know and and similarly well, we, we all, know better yeah and really if we if knowing what we know today we probably wouldn't build a town where we have a town I don't know. I would debate that, but we're, we're talking about logistics. Well, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, with the, with the estuary and the confluence of all the rivers and we'd probably structure it different if we were to start from fresh now. We're still a very natural resource country, so we still need to get natural resources. And what's the best way of shipping it over water? But again, like I said, I just think the whole thing would look a little different if we started, if we started today, because there's a few cruxes we could probably avoid with going back to the, you know, starting from clean slate, but we can't, and we're, and we're starting from where we are. So where we are, where do we, how do we diversify the economy? I'll just put a point blank to you then. How do we diversify the economy? What do we do? I'm sure your property tax have have gone up and your business taxes have gone up and, (laughs) and it's like, and then it's like, what? We have a problem with our, our, our dump. We have no room for the, at the dump. What? Our municipal halls falling apart. We need a second ice sheet at Brennan Park. There's a hundred million dollars. Uh, there's a, being bounded about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where to start on that one. You, you, you started with the, how do we diversify the economy? And then you, you baited me with all the crumbling infrastructure. And this, well, this, this is, is a person. We need to diversify yeah, the yeah, economy. Yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're, they are clearly related. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking which, which way you want to go with this because well, diversifying the economy, you know, there's forces at play that are outside of the municipality. So at the same time, we need to look for people that, want what we have and want to do business, want to do business here and see what it was going to take and see if that's something that we can, and I'm, I'm not opposed to incentives to the right companies, but there's also a breaking point where, you know yeah. what, that's, you can't sell the farm. No, you can't. And, and that's a delicate, uh, that's a delicate thing. So I think just getting into these, um, identifying industries that can come or are here already and are moving some barriers. I really believe in the people that are here and are coming and what they want for the town. And I really think that some of the answers to this are already here and we need to um, do what we can to facilitate that. Now, what that is and who they are, we're finding out all the time, but a quick, simple one that I, and it's not that nothing simple, but one that it comes to, one that comes to mind, we'll say we have some companies here that design different things for the, for outdoors, whether it's a clothing company, we've got a couple of clothing companies, we've got some seven bicycle components. Yeah. You've got your seven mesh, your blur, your uh, one up components, Republic all, bicycles. all these guys. Well, we don't, <laughs> we're not currently designing and manufacturing things overseas, but maybe they all use, um, 
third-party shipping systems out of Richmond to process all their shipments out to their dealers. And maybe they go consumer direct. Uh, Some of them do. And then all the shipping there is handled somewhere else from here. I've already spoken to, to them about the challenges that that sort of arm's length setup has. And on one hand, it's really easy. It's barcodes and the people in the warehouse just do the thing. They don't have to worry about it. But there's opportunity to bring some of this stuff here. But you're right. They need the space. But that particular use requires a specific space. And that might be different than whatever other diversified things. Now we're talking warehouse jobs and someone will, t- someone will say, oh, well, that's just a warehouse job. It's more warehouse job than we have now. So it's yeah. incremental moves. There's logistics to involve. There's a lot of things that can be involved in that. Like oh, yeah. Amazon you're talking about. Small yeah. scale Squamish Amazon. Yeah. But we have this little out, you know, this little rec tech setup that could support a little distribution company to just to handle the logistics of, of that. And who knows what other industries. I'm not, I'm not a climber. I know that there's more, you know, as yeah. you branch out into the different ones, you know, this is something that, that could happen. Or maybe there's people that want to transition out of their house into some office space and actually start you know, um, building up um, and presenting better and need to bring on staff and don't feel like comfortable doing it in their basement right. and can build out. So then, you know, I really think that the solutions are are here and we've got some really smart people and I encourage them to to come forward and have a have a chat with any of the counselors or future counselors, I don't know, candidates. Candidates. Uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and bat around some ideas and see see what um, what would need to happen and um, well openness with the uh, the candidates and openness with your counselors is paramount. And that's one thing I, I want to make sure uh, to anyone who is involved in local politics to, and who are gonna go vote that make sure that your candidates are open and willing and are accessible. Because uh, the worst thing is, is when you're frustrated with something and your your council is very inaccessible, it gets frustrating, and then you get a lot of vitriol on the Facebook, and and then we devolves from there. Is there is there anything that uh, we've missed that you like to throw in there? Any pet projects? Any any subjects you want to put a, a little little signature to? Oh man, um, many. How many hours do you have? Uh, uh, well, we're kind of over time already. But uh, <laughs> I mean, if there's no, something I, true to heart that you want no, to bring forward, if there's something like that driving factor that's making well, you run, you know, through, through this and, and, um, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've had, uh, you've hit all those hot button, uh, subjects with me and I'm sure you have with the other candidates. Uh, we, we may not agree, or we may have slightly different ideas on exact mechanisms we need going to use to affect this. But when I listen to everyone at the all candidates and I don't disagree with them, they're citing, I think it's page five or something, the OCP of our challenges. It's affordable housing, it's transit, it's, you know, managing growth and doing it in a green way and you know, all all that, that's all there. And through the, through the public consultation, building out to that OCP, which won an award for the level of public consultation, the last council was able to put this in, in place. And I think that's actually a big achievement to get that there. Now, how they did it and how they handled themselves while they're doing it and the personalities, I'm not going to get into all these springs. Yeah. uh, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that, but we have this plan. It addresses lots of the of the issues and it leaves room for refinement of course as we go through and add our our neighborhood planning to it and adopt some bylaws to sort of start uh, harmonizing the, the plan but i think that we're asked to amend it far too often and we do so often that the developers seem to think it's a foregone conclusion that we're just gonna oh yeah well it doesn't fit the their ocp but we'll just make it happen and that has to stop we've got a clear vision and a mandate from the town to go forward and do it. So we just need to get to work doing it. So who's best equipped 
to go and do what needs doing. And uh, I see a lot of really bright people and I look forward to working with, um, hopefully working with whoever's, uh, whoever's elected to not just council, but in the mayor position as well. How accustomed, we got people that are, have more governance experience. We've got private sector people. We've got people um, come from uh, assorted backgrounds. And I think that we could end up with a, a very uh, interesting and hopefully well-balanced council. And I would really like a seat at that, at that table. I think that uh, I bring experience from a business standpoint. I make decisions that, I ha- that affect not just my life, but my family and my employees' lives daily. I'm used to this responsibility. I don't take it lightly. I also think that I bridge um, at least two eras uh, with, with Squamish and the understanding of what it was like back then and not just from my experience, but from my family's experience going, going back and all the stories we heard about the different eras. And, uh, and with the business, I can show it any clearly how strongly I believe in strong neighborhoods I don't believe in the strip mauling of society. Also, the power of, of change and what people can can do when they set their when they set their minds to it. And I think a lot of the solutions are are here, and we just need to set out and stick to the plan that we that we have. And if there is something that has a truly extraordinary benefit to the community, then of course we 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 adjust the the OCP. It is a living document. I'm not saying it's the the be all end all. It's not even perfect, but it's a solid framework. I think we should proceed with uh, making it happen. Well, hopefully uh, you get to share this podcast and and so everyone gets to know who you are and where you're actually coming from and and your vision for Squamish and and hopefully uh, you're up for the job. And I want to thank you for doing the podcast with me today. Armin, thank you very much. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 